Healthy sexuality is more than the absence of problems. So if you want to learn more about helpful ways to think about healthy sexuality, check out this next podcast. If you're like me, you know your mind can be your best or your worst friend. Our mind is an amazing tool that can do incredible things, but our mind can also create problems out of nowhere. Sometimes our mind keeps recommending the same solutions to problems even when they aren't working. I see this pattern play out as individuals try to overcome their anxiety, depression, or even struggles with pornography, using approaches that make sense but aren't very helpful. This podcast will show you how real researchers and clinicians are changing the way we approach mental health and reveal helpful research-supported principles designed to help real people with real problems. My name is Dr. Cameron Staley, and welcome to the Life After Series Radio. So I was being interviewed for a podcast a few days ago, chatting about helpful ways to address pornography concerns, something I've talked about many, many times that I feel really comfortable with. And then I was asked a question, which should have been so simple, but it got me thinking. And the question was this. So after we define kind of problematic pornography viewing and ways to address that and overcome that, they asked me a very simple question. Well, how would you define healthy sexuality? And that seems like such a basic question that I should be able to give a really eloquent response to. And I'm sure I stammered my way through it. But honestly, internally, I recognize that I'm a lot more comfortable defining problems than I am health. That I can name when there's a behavior that's a compulsion or when an emotion escalates and leads to depression or anxiety disorders, that I understand those pretty well. And yet when it comes to areas of health, sometimes we don't spend as much time thinking about that. We're much more comfortable thinking about when something becomes a problem. And I think about that's often the medical world that we live in, is we go to the doctor when we're sick. We don't often go when we're doing well. So we think about getting intervention when there's a problem. And yet there's another way to approach living, and that is more from a wellness model, thinking about what does healthy eating look like? What does healthy exercise look like? What about healthy mental health? And along with that, what does healthy sexuality look like? So from that moment, I recognized like, wow, I need to have a better definition. I need to have a framework. I need to have some guiding principles. So I did what any good psychologist does is I did my research to look at what frameworks out, are out there, what guiding principles are out there, because I recognized I needed a model to help people who are trying to change problematic sexual behaviors like unwanted pornography viewing. But it's not enough just to stop a behavior that you don't want. We need to grow and promote behaviors that you do want. So I, I recognized if I had a hard time answering that question about what is healthy sexuality, people that may be struggling with problematic sexual behaviors may even have a more challenging time. So I want to share with you a few thoughts about some things that I came across um, that could be helpful for thinking about better ways to approach healthy sexuality. So here's a few guiding principles. So healthy sexuality requires education. That's first and foremost. And that's probably the biggest issue that I've seen is not many people 
have access to good quality, accurate, safe education around sexual development. We often don't get that in our home. We don't get that in our schools. We don't get it in our churches. And so we're kind of staggering through that developmental sequence and we're learning as we're going. But many people struggle with that developmental process because it's not something we talk about. There's not a lot of conversation. There isn't permission to seek out helpful resources. So many people do turn to things like pornography out of curiosity for bodies and sexuality. And for me, pornography is not the same thing as sexual education. For me, that is adult entertainment that some people choose to view, but that is not typically the resource you'd want to go to for healthy sexual development. So that would be number one, is it requires healthy sexual education. So if you're someone that grew up without that, it's kind of on you to search it out. And there's lots of great books and blogs and websites full of all kinds of healthy, helpful information around sexuality. And it's up to us to do our homework, to do the research and figure it out. Healthy sexuality doesn't hurt anybody else. That may seem like a duh or a given, um, but think about how many people are wounded from abuse or harassment or assault. So healthy sexuality does not hurt anybody else. That should be a guiding principle when you think about if your behaviors around sexuality are healthy. Also, healthy sexuality means that your behaviors are not causing distress to yourself either. And that could be physical distress, mental, emotional, spiritual distress. So really thinking through, are my sexual activities consistent with my values? And with that, sexual, healthy sexuality requires flexibility. So being able to consider what are my values in relationships, recreation, fitness, health, spirituality, and are my sexual activities consistent with those larger values? So one of the, the biggest guiding principles for healthy sexuality is that it's complex, that this requires some thought. It's not just, oh yeah, I'll be fine. It'll kind of figure itself out. You may need to spend some time thinking about what are your sexual values and how do they fit within your larger value system? Also, healthy sexuality is much more than the avoidance of problems. So having an absence of an anxiety disorder does not mean that you're mentally well. Or not feeling depressed doesn't mean you have good mental health. That good mental health consists of things like awareness, patience, compassion, insight, flexibility, balance. There's lots of things that I would include to define healthy mental health. It's the same thing with sexuality. It's not just the absence of problems. And also, maybe my last principle around healthy sexuality is it's going to evolve. Healthy sexuality at age 16 is going to look different than 20, than 40, than 60, than 80. So it's going to evolve across the lifespan, depending on romantic partners, your age, maturation, um, all those things that's going to change. So being able to revisit that sexuality with your partners, making sure that it's consistent with your larger values. So with that, as I did some research, I keep hearing the name over and over of Douglas Brown Harvey. And he's done some great work. Um, he's published a book out there that I'm really interested in diving into. But he also came up with six principles of sexual health 
that's based on the WHO, the World Health Organization's definition of sexual health. So here's the sex principles. They're very straightforward, very simple. They should be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I think it's helpful to name them so we can have those as a guide. So the first principle that he outlines is that healthy sexuality includes consent. It's non-exploitative. It's honest. It includes shared values. You protect yourself and others from sexually transmitted infection and unwanted pregnancy. And also healthy sexuality includes pleasure. Six principles. That's it. And yet I think about if we truly followed those, how much safer everybody would be, how much healthier they would be, and how much more enjoyable sexuality would be. It wouldn't have to be something that we're scared of, that we have negative experiences with, that we're afraid of. So it includes consent. So making sure that throughout any sexual behaviors, engaging with other people, that includes consent. So consent is between two adults. So children, by definition, are not able to consent. People with intellectual disabilities or other disabilities that would impact their ability to make those decisions, that is not consent. So it is between two adults, and that is something that is talked about, and consent is something that is freely given. It's not exploitative, meaning people feel comfortable engaging sexuality. They're not being coerced in any way, threatened. They're not trading that for money or housing they, just because they have to do it. It's got to be freely given. It's got to be honest. So if you're in a romantic relationship, you're able to talk about your sexual interests, fantasies, desires, preferences. It's not kind of doing things behind your partner's back and keeping secrets. It's honest. With that, you're negotiating shared values. You're talking about those. And with any values, they're not going to line up 100% with people. And that's okay. But you're going to talk about that and set up boundaries that are safe and healthy for you and safe and healthy for those around you. Also, you're gonna protect yourself from disease and unwanted pregnancy. And the last one is pleasure. For many people growing up in maybe conservative cultures where sex is thought of as bad or taboo or wrong, you may not have put a lot of thought into that our body is designed in many ways to experience pleasure. And that can be through our senses, through things that we eat, things that we see, but also sexually, it's designed to be pleasurable. So I really like those principles that, that Doug puts together. It's a really concise, simple framework. You can search for his work online. He's got really good descriptions on these. This might be a good starting place in your relationship to talk about principles of healthy sexuality. Then I am, also came across a statement that came out in 2014 by the World Association for Sexual Health, or WAS. So they are a worldwide organization so they're multidisciplinary, and their goal is to promote the health and safety of sexual activity for people across the world. And they put together a list of sexual rights that are human rights pertaining to sexuality. So they've got a list of 16 rights, which is phenomenal. So I would encourage you to check that resource out. Again, that's the World Association for Sexual Health and their Declaration of Sexual Rights. Then I also came across um, Ginger Manley. She has a model for positive sexuality, which I had never come across before. And in that model, she listed dimensions that included spirituality, personhood, roles in sexual relationships, 
behaviors and activity, and physical function. And within each of those, she has specific positive traits that go along with those. So those might include things like believing that sexuality is a gift from one's higher power, or experiencing the meaningfulness of a sexual moment, or respecting your own sexual personhood, affirming your freedom to choose, having a sense of humor around sexuality, which I think is a wonderful one, having appropriate role models in your life, exhibiting a willingness to commit, practicing safer sex, but also risking new behaviors within your own personal boundaries that are gonna be safe for you. Ask for help when you need so. So I really like that model, thinking about those dimensions. So there are some really good things out there. So if you were like me and someone asked you, how would you define healthy sexuality? And you're like, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, my encouragement or recommendation for you would take some time to do some research. Um, pick up a book, um, do some searching on healthy sexuality, have these conversations with your partner, explore what sexual rights fit for you, and maybe some attitudes or behaviors or actions that you may need to adjust or think through so they are consistent with your values, so you're not hurting anybody else or hurting yourself, but really empowering yourself to have these conversations with healthy people in your life. This is necessary. So healthy sexuality is not just the absence of problems. It is the promotion of health and well-being for yourself and people in your life. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I know you might be facing some issues in your life or know someone who is. Issues like anxiety, challenges in dealing with emotions, or other compulsive behaviors like unwanted pornography. And I know it's tough to talk to people about problems. Difficult to stare those obstacles down that we face in life and to really know how to deal with them. It's hard to know what to say and when to say it. And then when that moment you finally reach out to family and friends happens, sometimes it falls flat. I haven't found many programs teaching effective strategies like mindfulness, how to improve relationships, and ways to address unwanted pornography viewing through research-supported principles. So whether you simply want to help with a problem like unwanted pornography, difficulty responding to emotions, or just want to understand the world of someone struggling with porn a little better, head over to lifeafterpornography.com and get in on the next training. There you'll learn the exact same strategies individuals addicted to pornography used to transform their lives by implementing principles from evidence-based treatment shown effective in research for reducing unwanted pornography viewing. You'll learn the secrets the myths, the enemies to recovery, and the LAP framework for dealing with unwanted porn viewing that we call WAVE. If that's something that interests you, click the link in the description or just head over to lifeafterpornography.com. I'm Dr. Cameron Staley. See you on the inside.